0: find triviality on all your favorite podcast apps but you know that because you're already listening to a podcast Uh, quick warning this episode contains some descriptions of graphic images if you've got kids around or if you're not feeling up for it you may want to come back to this one later the first story goes something like this a young couple just married check in eagerly to their honeymoon hotel giddy they run up the stairs a race to see who will swipe their key cards first who will welcome the other to their first borrowed marriage bed let's say it is the young woman who takes the lead even as her groom makes pleeful grabs at her ankles on the stairs to slow her down she chases up the hallway counting every room number until she finds theirs she swipes enters and slams the door the man is only a few steps behind her Laughing and huffing, and perhaps thinking about what his bride might have planned for him in those few seconds she is alone. But, as he pulls the door handle, he hears her scream, a terrible scream. She bursts back into the hallway, her face ashen. He presses by her as she attempts weakly to hold him back. He's in the room for no longer than she was, before he stumbles back out, falling to his knees, vomiting at the doorstep. Hotel management is called, who in turn call the police. Inside the room, they find a grisly scene, the bed sheets tossed, tumbled, and covered in blood. And on top of them, a young, thin, redheaded woman. Aside from the space around her left eye, her face is gone. Replaced by gore and brain and hanging wet skin, the lower jaw is almost disappeared leaving her full upper teeth to dry in the blood-soaked air. Yet, that eye, that left eye, stares out, and even though it gives only the faintest impression of humanity, you can still see within it the terror. It is Yugoslavia, 1998, and Darko Maver has struck again. This is the constant. A History of Getting Things Wrong. I'm Mark Chrysler. Today's episode Art is Dead. This wasn't the first time authorities had tracked crime to Maver. Once there had been a dismembered forearm found in an abandoned house. Another time there was a man in a hotel bed with his head nearly taken off by a shotgun blast. A burnt and hollowed torso, a pair of feet and ankles ripped roughly from their owner and placed bloody, contused, and carefully upon a blanket side by side. Even an infant, no more than three weeks old, dotted and pocked with heavy purple bruises, eyes bulging from strangulation. 1998 Yugoslavia was no stranger to violence, death, inhumanity, and decay. The Kosovo Liberation Army, a ragtag paramilitary group funded by looting and narcotic sales, was fighting in the streets with the Serbian forces of the brutal nationalist leader Slobodan Milosevic. In 1999, NATO entered the fray with a controversial aerial bombing campaign against the Serbs. Thousands of civilians died at the hands of both sets of forces, hundreds were killed in the bombings, and more still, died in the streets for lack of shelter and food. Yet, even in the midst of such a wide swath of atrocities, authorities could always recognize the work of Darko Maver, almost on sight. For one thing, the bodies were always discovered in hotels and houses in relatively well-off northern parts of the country. For another, the crime scenes were always particularly disturbing and violent. But the real giveaway was this. They were... fake. In Tartete Kunst, or Degenerate Art, an Italian art magazine had been the first to report on Darko Maver, a nomadic Serbo-Slovenian performance artist wandering his way through northern Yugoslavia, leaving his hideous brand of sculpture, photorealistic portrayals of gnarly murders, suicides, and dismemberments crafted from PVC piping, wax, and fabric like a morbid, disturbed Johnny Appleseed. As quickly as Maver could deposit them, authorities would destroy. But time and again, photos were slipping past them and into the media. Profiles and snapshots made their way into other prominent arts magazines. Temma Celeste and Fleshout, early works from his time at the Belgrade Academy were sought out. Smaller scale prototypes of his now infamous oeuvre, a broken arm, a severed toe. Maver was daring to put the real horrors of the world, the inhumanity of man towards man, right into the faces of the comfortable bourgeoisie. And almost instantly, the art world loved him for it. An exhibition of his work, entitled Tanz der Spin" or Dance of the Spider, in the Kapelika Gallery in Slovenia, rocketed him to uncomfortable stardom in February of 1999. I wish I could tell you everything was harmless, that no real deaths played parts in the legend of Darko Maver, but that would be a lie. And while I am attempting very much to mislead you in the telling of this story, I'm doing my best not to lie. So far I've only done so once, although it was a bit of a whopper. Reports in interested arts media began to surface in March that Maver had been apprehended and imprisoned by the Serbian government on charges of anti-patriotic propaganda. Artists across the world rallied in support of freedom of speech and against the injustice visited upon the morbid sculptor. At the same time, the political position in Kosovo was becoming truly untenable with NATO airstrikes fanning the flames of war and breaking down the very mortar of civil society. Perhaps that explained why Maver's case, a cause celeb throughout Europe and America, went virtually unreported in the nation of his imprisonment. Or else it was due to the iron grip of Milosevic's regime. Or, simpler still, maybe the people of Kosovo had bigger things to worry about than the confiscation of some grotesque statues and the arrest of some foul contemporary artist. Then, on the 13th of April, 1999, images began to circulate, ...of the final corpse of Darko Maver's career. His own. Splayed out in a bare and brutal cell, Maver's body prompted outrage as well as questions. Was it suicide? Murder? Assassination? The result of one of many misplaced NATO bombs? Or, possibly, was this the artistic culmination of Maver's career? One final act of awakening, shakening art signed this time truly with blood, to once more rip through the paper-thin veneer of civilization. The Italian magazine Modus Vivendi grappled with these questions in a pointed article about Maber's life, work, and death entitled Puppets of War in July of 99. The beatification had begun. His incomprehensible writings entitled Disappearance of the Body and "Anaphora Genetica is published, a theater company in Rome produces Awakening, a tribute to Darko Maver. Shortly after that, in the last week of September, the Forte Prenestino in Rome hosts the whole shebang, performances, all of Tanstra's Finn, and unpublished collages and sculptures from Maber's early career. And the crowning achievement, a documentary entitled Darko Maver, the Art of War, is shown at the 99 Venice Biennale the most prestigious and important art event in the world. Essentially, the Olympics of art. In a period of shortly less than two years, Darko Maver has gone from entirely unheard of to the hallowed halls of Chagall, Renoir, Klimt, and Picasso. A career in presenting fake death, capped and crowned by his own real one. A man who sought to unveil the horrors of state-sponsored violence, succeeds by becoming a visible emblem of that very violence. It feels almost too good to be true. And that is for good reason. It isn't. On February 6th, 2000, five months after the presentation at the Venice Biennale, a press release landed in the inboxes of art critics, magazines, and newspapers around the world. Its title, Do You Ever Get the Feeling You're Being Cheated? The release was attributed to Luther Blissett, and you could almost hear the collective fuck ring throughout the art world. Luther Blissett was anonymous before anonymous was cool. Named for a mildly embarrassing Italian soccer player, the loose-knit, open-source Luther Blissett organization began a campaign of culture-jamming, avant-garde vandalism, and high-art pranksterism in the early 90s. By the time of the press release, they were infamous for having built a publishing house into printing a fake book, baited a TV crew into searching for a non-existent missing cyclist, commandeered a city bus, heralded a phony chimpanzee painter, and more. But Darko Maver was actually the brainchild of another group of performance art pranksters, Ava and Franco Matez, who at the time were known only by a long string of binary code. Before Darko Maver, they'd made their name by hacking the website of the Catholic Church, which they amended and manipulated over the course of a whole year, subtly weaving pop songs and Tolkienesque fantasy stories into official e-documents of Vatican dogma. Do you ever get the feeling you're being cheated? The opening sentence of the release reads I declare I have invented the life and the works of art of the Serbian artist Darko Maber, born in Krupanj in nineteen sixty two and dead at the Podgorica Penitentiary on april thirtieth, nineteen ninety nine. It continues. Darko Maver was born and lived in the Balkan area, which nowadays is being ravaged and plundered by the economic and geopolitical interests of the mighty, by the forces of different ethnic groups, and, in the end, by the vulture machine of the media. Darko Maver was a politically incorrect artist. His performance is hard to digest. Nevertheless, he was ready to be absorbed into the art system. His work, once properly homogenized and deprived of its excessive force, was ready to go through the canonical way which links galleries, exhibitions, the art market, and finally takes to the eternal peace of the museum, apex of the anesthetic process of disarmament and sterilization, a process which art has always suffered. The museum is a sheer temple where art is celebrated, faked, and degraded, just as prison degrades life, making it unrecognizable. And the theorem, once more, proves to be exact. An artist, an identity, a style, the works, and the system is ready to absorb everything and turn life into commodities. All this won't happen to Darko Maver, because Darko Maver doesn't exist. Because his works don't exist. For years, Luther Blissett sympathizers had ingratiated themselves within the ranks of galleries, scenes, magazines, and periodicals so that they could slowly begin to disseminate the fictional work of Ava and Franco's fictional artist. They'd leaked rumors, written stories, and otherwise bolstered the legend of Darko Maber even as they created it. All to prove the callow, gullible seamsterism of the art world. To add injury to insult, there were never any photorealistic sculptures of corpses composed of PVC piping, wax, and fabric, only photographs of real deaths and injuries taken from the voyeur website rotten.com. Critics and gallery-goers had been appreciating the fine workmanship of actual atrocities all along, except for Darko Maver's body itself. The only fake in the whole bunch, Ava and Franco had staged the photograph with the help of one of the many Luthers, blissette. And as for the name, Darko Maver, that was found on the same website, taken from a real Slovenian in the bibliography section of Rotten.com. A few years ago, Art Pulse magazine decided that, for a feature on the Matises, they would interview some of the victims of their pranks. When asked about the art hoax that bears his name, Darko Maver said, I'm a criminologist. My job is to look at crime scenes to understand them, while, as far as I got, my hominem artist was setting up crime scenes as artworks, sculptures that looked like corpses. There is definitely something connecting our lives other than the name we share. Shortly after the Darko Maver hoax completed, the Luther Blissett Project committed what they called ritual suicide, casting off the group identity shortly after four of the originators of it found success with the novel, Q, which, as it happens, is a very good novel. Ava and Franco came out of the shadows not long after. And those are the facts. Or at least as near to the facts as you can get in a story colored at every edge by impishness and deception. As for what moral we should draw from the story... (sighs) I wish I could say... I first stumbled across Darko Maver not long after the prank concluded. Back then, I was a freshman college theater student, and I thought it was just the coolest thing, sticking it to those pretentious art seamsters. It didn't occur to me then that the project was pretty pretentious itself, and it took even longer to realize that I was, too. It also took a while to start wondering who the callow ones in this whole story really were, and who had really been the ones who were more cravenly happy to commodify tragedy, war, and violence. The greedy, flock-like art critics, or the young pop iconoclasts who fooled them. Still, if you'd have asked me a couple of years ago about what I thought of the Maver caper, I'd have landed on... It was brilliant. Even if I'd have listed a lot of caveats to get there. But then... Something has changed recently, hasn't it? We are anonymous. We are legion. We do not forgive. We do not forget. Do we even know who is this forged no, man? This theory is you called PizzaGate. I think are there are so many things you know. that we are being told that are, that are not Sir, true. Go ahead. There is Why a, you a state child, child sex ring, sex ring going on in Washington. Don't be rude. Can you give us a, a question? Don't be. Can you give us a question? I'm not going to give you a question. Can you stay categorical? You are fake news. It's hard not to see leaderless groups of provocateurs operating under group pseudonyms or fringe media planting fake stories that are carried downstream to hapless believers and not think, Did this start with a group of Italian avant-garde artists? Like every other artistic movement in history, the techniques forged by the Modises and Luther Blissett appear to have been decoupled from their philosophical and political strictures. Twenty years ago, this seemed unimaginable. The values of these artists seemed totally enmeshed in their methods, and so, even if things were complicated, you could at least think about the thing as some sort of holistic piece. Nowadays, with disinformation running rampant, public trust in science and reporting precipitously eroding... This story seems to me to have less of a moral than an amoral, that anyone can be fooled, including me, including you, and that once you put a lie out into the world, there is very little you can do to tell it where to go or what to do. Music for today's episode provided via something called anti-copyright by, wait for it, Luther Blissett. From the hog butcher to the world, Chicago, Illinois, this has been The Constant. (laughs) Gave <laughs> you